Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. Welcome to Four Down Territory. Stick and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Slareth and Evans kicking it off with first down. Chad Brown in for Stink, who is uh, off today. Just absolutely demoralized by the news that uh, Tom Brady is retiring. He could not come into work. I love Tom Brady. Could not come into work today. So, uh, no, this was a planned day off. And no, no, as far as I know, he is not uh, meeting with Sean Payton to be the offensive line coach. As far as I know, some of of you brought that up. Hey, stay tuned. Who knows? So, Chad Brown sitting in. Boy, it has been an interesting first hour gauging reaction to the Sean Payton hiring. Uh, Are you surprised that the reaction is so mixed? No. No, I'm not surprised at all that the reaction is mixed. I think there's enough on all sides of this to see see it all. You know, the perception that Sean Payton was hired to help Russell Wilson. Then becomes the question becomes is Russell Wilson fixable? Um, Sean Payton, the weak division that he played in, the lack of playoff success. People are pointing that there's so there's things on both sides. Hey, he's a he's a leader of many. He's done this. He's had the top offense. He's been in the top ten this many times as an offensive uh, coach or as a uh, points per game kind of guy. So there's so many aspects where you can come down on either side of this. You satisfied with the way that this whole coaching hiring process played out? What do we really know? So uh, it's hard for me to, to truly evaluate it because I would just be guessing. Uh, what was the whole thing with Harbaugh? He went out there a second time after you already told you no. Was that an attempt to gain more leverage against the Saints so they would come down after demand for two first-round picks? Was that all that that was about? So what I've been told is that the Broncos never made an offer to anybody. So... They were never turned down because they never made an offer to anybody. Okay. Until they finally made an offer to Sean Payton. So, as th- throughout this entire process, the idea was always, you're not getting much info from the Broncos. If you're going to get information, you're going to have to get it from the side of whoever the candidate is. So, the Broncos insist, no, we never made an offer. Therefore, we were never turned down. And from, from their standpoint, this was actually a... A, a very effective, efficient process because they did their due diligence. They never made an offer. And then when they finally did make an offer, they got a coach. Now, of course, you know, Ian Rappaport and Adam Sandler are having competing narratives. Adam Sandler? Sorry, Adam Schefter, my bad. Uh, have competing narratives on social media, on Twitter, about how this all, whole thing went down. So I don't Sandler. know. So where, I where don't did know. Where that come from? <laughs> I was watching the Adam Sandler movie last night. That's awesome. Yes. That's some fine cinematography right there. <laughs> Highbrow. Highbrow, exactly, yes. yes. <laughs> Go ahead, finish your point. Uh, my point is, you know, even with that, if you do you believe Adam Schefter? Do you believe Ian Rappaport? Because they came out with competing narratives of just what happened yesterday. Right. So uh, I don't, I can't what say. Who do you believe? I don't know. I'm, I'm not willing to stake a, a claim on either one. I don't think everybody really, really, truly knows. That's why all this talk is just feels so hypothetical to me. In the end, did you get a coach with a track record and experience who can help your quarterback? You did. Uh, did you have to give him some draft capital along the way? You did. How this all plays out, we're going to see. I don't care who they offered. I don't care who turned them down. 
They got the guy I wanted all along. That's all that matters to me. Second down. Now, what kind of staff is Sean Payton going to fill out? The uh, most immediate uh, rumor is that Vic Fangio, who looked to be on his way to Miami as a defensive coordinator, that got the uh, the brakes applied to it over the weekend. And now speculation is the Broncos, reports are the Broncos are talking to Vic Fangio. How would you feel about a Vic Fangio return to Denver? Uh, I would not be opposed to it. I think there's probably more opposition from Vic. That's got to be it'd be really odd to walk back into the building a little over a year later and be in a completely different role. Um, the opportunity for him in Miami and in San Francisco, both those are great opportunities. Uh, I can understand the you know desire to coach with with Sean, um, but hey, you're going to pass up on what they got going in San Francisco with D'Amico leaving. It's a perfect opportunity for him to go back out there. And my understanding, he's got uh, his girlfriend lives in San Francisco, so you know why not just make it all nice and neat out there in the Bay? Maybe area? maybe if it's just if he just looks at it as a better opportunity. I I just don't think that the, he would really sweat the idea of coming back here. I, I really, think, I think his his time as a head coach showed him he's best off. He's most comfortable just being a defensive coordinator. But, but and being able to come back here and just be a defensive coordinator, chop it up once a week with the uh, the media that he got to know here. I think he'd be fine with it. Uh, I I I think he'd have no problem deferring well, well, to Sean Payton. This is a guy who couldn't say he ever did anything wrong. I think there's a little bit more ego there than you're giving that him ego. Would, for. But that ego would only be on display one time a week. That's it. That's it. And and I like Vic. And and here's the thing, he's an amazing coach. He right now is to defense in the NFL what Sean McVay is to offense. So if if everybody is looking for that O to McVay, right? We got to get our you know a whiff of McVay here on our team. That's what teams are with Vic. His blueprint is the defense that everybody in this league is following. So he if I can get numbers, you'll see. If I can get the OG here. Do it. Again, I got no problem with Vic. I think Vic's going to have a more problem with if the prospect of coming back into the Broncos as just a D.C. But I think he understands that D.C. is his lot in life now moving forward. I would agree with that. All right. Third down. Tom Brady announced his retirement today. And uh, got a little teary. Did it on the beach down in Florida. Said, this is it. I'm not going to unretire. I did all that big message last year, so I'm walking away. As somebody who's a teammate of Tom Brady, how do you feel about it? Uh, it's time. It's time. Um, and I think he recognizes it's time. They, they, when the personal life, you can't control that, starts swirling into the, 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 the business life. When your performance uh, leaves a little something to be desired, when you can't elevate your team. There are some clips uh, going around last week of Tom trying to fire up some of his Tampa Bay teammates on the sideline. And it was clear that his message uh, was not penetrating uh, <laughs> those guys' uh, skulls. He was you know, trying to get them fired up, and it, it was just landing completely flat. I think he saw all of that, recognized all that, and thought, this is it. This is time for me to walk away. And, and as you get older, it's harder and harder and harder to relate to your younger teammates. They're just in a completely different place than you are in life. And you don't want to be the the, the guy in the locker room who, who who's unrelatable, who can't connect with anybody. One, two, three, fourth down. The Nuggets with a win over the Pelicans last night, and Nikola Jokic, 
Yawn. Another MVP. Great stat. 16th of the year. They're 16-0 and when he puts together a triple-double. This time, 26 points, 18 rebounds, 15 assists. <laughs> he is. He's... I don't want to call him the GOAT. But uh, he's now averaging 10 assists per game. He's now averaging a triple-double for the season. But... On a night where he did another amazing, extraordinary performance, I actually want to talk about Jamal Murray, who, who won off for 32 points, hit seven threes. And look, when it comes to winning a championship, we know Nikola Jokic is going to be there. We don't have to worry about Nikola Jokic, right? But in order for this team to win a championship, my opinion, that special connection that exists between Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic has to be humming at 100% throughout these playoffs in order for them to win a championship. And for him, in a, in a season that's been kind of up and down, still looking to find those signs that he's all the way back from the knee, it's those games like last night that really get me excited. I know I should be leading with Nikola Jokic, but to me, Jamal Murray's performance is the big takeaway. I'm with you on the thoughts about Jamal Murray, but I think you're... Boredom with the Joker getting Not a triple boredom. with a, getting a triple double speaks Don't put to, words in my mouth, Chad speaks <laughs> to some of these MVP voters and how they also look at this because when the Joker gets a triple double, it's not full of highlight, maybe some highlight passes. But there's not these high-flying John Morant dunks that are going to be you know, seen for the next couple days on social media. So that same boredom that you feel, sometimes they get that. Is what, I think that speaks to some of the folks who are saying it's going to be almost impossible Whoa. for him to get a third Whoa. MVP. You're, you're, you're mistaking what you think is boredom for me as the guy's the MVP. You just said you were bored by it. Because I already know he's the MVP. Okay. I, I don't. He doesn't need to prove anything to me. Uh, he doesn't need to sell me. He's the MVP. So that's what I'm saying. That boredom thought that you let slip out of your mouth, that gets into the minds of these uh, these MVP voters. Not that it's your fault, Mike, but the same sense of, oh, ho-hum, here we are again. That's why they begin to look for a flashier, splashier candidate for the MVP. All right, that is uh, four down territory. Chad Brown putting words in my mouth. Uh, boy, that's weird. Normally I'm doing that to uh, other Chad people. Brown. Hmm, the tables have turned. Heard, yes. <laughs> four down territory. Bring that to you each and every morning at 7.30. What are the pros and cons? Because, boy, there seem to be more cons than I thought there would. Uh, the reaction to this uh, Sean Payton hiring. Dive into that next. <laughs> Reacting to the news that Sean Payton will become the 19th head coach in the history of the Denver Broncos. Here's Schlereth and Evans. With Chad Brown sitting in for uh, Stink, who is uh, off today. Inconsolable after the news of uh, Tom Brady retiring. Just couldn't come into work today. The text line keeps asking, is he interviewing for an offensive line coaching job? He, there's a job open. There is one open. He, uh, he is. It's, it's, it's no secret. He has consulted with Sean Payton in the past. Yes. He is a uh, FOP, a friend of Payton. Huh. We shall see. We shall see. A uh, lot of reaction coming in. Mixed to the hiring of Sean Payton. Fred in Jacksonville. Oh, my goodness. It's so nice having Chad Brown in here this morning to calm Evans' super hype. Get him, Chad. <laughs> Chad Brown. So let me let me see if I get this straight. I am super over the top, out of control, hyped about a guy who coached 15 years 
with New Orleans, averaged, averaged 10 wins a season, Mm -hmm. had nine seasons out of the 15 of 10 wins or more, went through a patch between 2014 and 2016 where the Saints went 7-9, 7-9, didn't bail, drafted astutely, built them back up so that the next four years he went 11-13-13 and 11 wins, Mm -hmm. won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl, uh, helped turn Drew Brees into a Hall of Fame quarterback. Drew Brees was not a great quarterback when he got to New Orleans. If anything, he was a reclamation project at that point. Mm -hmm. Had an offense that was uh, routinely ranked in the top 10, top 5, in both total offense and points. Comes in with a uh, reputation of knowing how to create a culture in a building, demand accountability, while also being uh, a real player's coach, looking out for his players. And I'm supposed to not be excited that the Broncos have him. Instead, I should hope that they went out and got a guy who never coached before because, well, you never know. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Be, be fair. Why shouldn't I be excited about this? Be, Everybody should be excited about this. Be fair to the listeners. You wrote an article on DenverSports.com where you also gave some of the negatives because you ran down a list of positives there. Mm-hmm. Give me some Sean Payton negatives to be fair, to be balanced. Well, all right, let's start with the idea about Drew Brees. I heard okay. a lot of this during the whole hiring process. Mm-hmm. That, uh, well, you know, Drew Brees made Sean Payton. Uh, not, not, we'll slow down a second. Drew Brees was a good but certainly not great quarterback when he was a Charger. The Chargers thought so much of Drew Brees that they drafted Eli Manning and then traded for Phillip Rivers in 2004. Phillip Rivers was a teammate of Drew Brees in 2004 and 2005. Right. We know that when you make a move like that, you're already greasing the skids for Phillip Rivers to take over. So the Chargers didn't think that they were sitting on greatness Mm -hmm. with Drew Brees. John Lynch wrecks... Uh, Drew Brees' shoulder, he's out there for anybody to, to, to pick him up. He goes to New Orleans, and he becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, I'm not, am I saying that Sean Payton uh, did all of that and Drew Brees gets no credit for that? Of course not. But to say that Drew Brees simply made Sean Payton, that's just that's just false. Okay. Do you want to push back on that? Or no. do you just want to nod and say, Evans, you're... 100% correct. I'm just I'm just listening to you lay out the positives and the negatives okay. to allow the listener to, you know, come up with their own opinion on this. Because um, it's been all, you know, puppies and sunshine. The, 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 the draft compensation for yes. him. That's another one. That's yep. another one. So this is now the fifth coach uh, to be traded in a move that involved a uh, first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Is it fifth or fourth? Anyway. The previous coaches to be involved in a a trade involving a first-round pick, which the Broncos have now done, include Bill Parcells Parcells to the Jets. From Patriots to the Jets. Bill Parcells from Jets to the Patriots. Yep. John Gruden from the Raiders to the uh, the Bucks. Yep. And Sean Payton from the Saints to the Broncos. So there's a pretty Pretty good track track record. Yep. there's There's a lot of evidence that suggests that if you make the move for the coach and you give up this kind of bounty, the team that gives up the bounty wins. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's another one. Okay. What about the weak division that the Saints played in that is often cited as 
part of the success for, for Sean Payton and Parcel, and also part of the lack of playoff success because you got into the playoffs, but you weren't uh, necessarily a great team because you played in a very weak fair, division fair, for years. Fair, okay. Then you have to say that uh, Bill Walsh wasn't a great coach because those San Francisco teams feasted on a very, very weak uh, NFC West back during that Bill Walsh, Joe Montana time. You have to say that Bill Parsons... Whoa, 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 because Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, they've got Lombardi trophies to back up their time together. Well, Peyton's got one. They've got four. So I, I think that, that, yeah, we'll just, we'll kill that comparison. Kill it? Yes. Because it's not quite the same. But my point is, is that any team that has a great run that's sustained for a decade, you'll usually find that the division that they were in was, was pretty weak. Look at Belichick and the Patriots. Look at the, the uh, doormats that they had to go through for, the, for 20 years. And it's also fascinating that folks don't recognize that those teams are weak in those divisions because they're constantly chasing the team up top. Great point. And we got to draft a quarterback, and we got to get the right, right coach. Right. we got we to do this, we got to do that. So they're constantly doing this turnover mm-hmm. in hopes to somehow pass up that uh, division-leading team. The playoff record. I've, I've seen that. Uh, he's only 9-8 and eight mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah. You would be hard-pressed to find that many coaches that have ever coached in the history of the NFL that have coached in more than 10 playoff games and have a winning record. Good luck. Mm-hmm. The list is small. Yeah, my, my playoff record is like four and eight. So I'm, I'm, I, don't have a, I can't have a dog in that fight. So it, it, it's, it's kind of reminiscent to when Peyton Manning came here. And not that there was a, a lot of pushback to the idea of bring, bringing in Peyton, Peyton Manning, but one of the pushback things that we heard at the time was, eh, but look at his playoff record. So Sean Payton has a 9-8 and eight playoff record. Peyton Manning, when he came here, had a 9-10 and 10 playoff record. Worked out okay here. Yep. Worked out okay here. Okay. I'm not going to hold a 9-8 and eight play. He <laughs> For those who say, well, he's only 9-8 and eight in the playoffs, I look at it and say, the guy's coached in 17 playoff games. How many has D'Amico Ryan's coached in? How many has Vic Fangio coached in? How many has Nathaniel Hackett coached in? How many has Vance Joseph coached in? All very good points. And just to be clear to the texters who keep accusing me of being a, a Bronco hater and a and a cold blanket and a wet blanket and all these other terms are thrown out there on the text line, I'm excited about the hire. I just want to see it on the field. I think Sean Payton, of all the coaching candidates, we have the best chance to maximize what Russell Wilson brings. And in my opinion, that's the first issue to be dealt with on this Broncos team. Are there other issues? Of course there are. And I think he'll get to those as well. But all I'm simply saying is, I can't start doing backflips because uh, of one coaching hire. you got to show it to me on the field. We were excited about Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. How did that turn out? Yeah, it's obvious. And, and, and you're, you're 100% right. Ultimately, the proof will be how they go out and play. But my Excitement this morning comes from the standpoint that no matter who they hired, there was going to be somebody like you saying, well, we won't know until we know, right? right? But at least with this guy, I can say that there is a track record, there is a resume. Anytime you hire anybody, you're looking at their resume, right? Mm-hmm. And in, instead of picking up a, a resume that has nothing on it, you can look at this guy's resume, and, and there's a lot there, a lot of good stuff. And I'll use that as a starting point to be excited. Fair enough. All right. 
Evans is out of his league today with an intelligent person to debate with. Well, I'm going to take that just simply as a shot at Mark Schlereth. I'm not even going to take it as an insult to me. You are saying bad things about Mark, and I'm going to tell on you. What's Trending coming up next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. Got to start with this. Chad Brown in for uh, Mark, who had a a scheduled scheduled day off today to uh, shake his moneymaker, but... uh, you knew he would react to the news that uh, Tom Brady is uh, retiring. And so Mark retweeted Brady's video announcing his retirement. And then Mark posted at Tom Brady. It was a pleasure and honor to watch and cover your career. And you are extremely handsome. I love Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady, too. Tom Brady literally... Of all the big-name teammates I've ever had is the greatest big-name teammate ever I've ever seen. Heard that a lot. Why? It's It sounds so corny, but new guy comes in the locker room, and the, the Patriots turn over the bottom five guys on that roster more than any other team I've ever been around. So there's always new guys in the locker room. He comes up, shakes her hand. Hey, I'm Tom Brady. Of course, the guy's like, of course you are. Got any questions? Need to know anything around here? Come to me. Ask me. And so he... He just breaks down the barriers immediately. He actually sat in the front row, not just for appearances, because that, but that's where he wanted to sit. It was important for him to constantly show that kind of leadership. Never too cool, too cool for school in the back row, always in the front row. Just did everything the right way from a player leadership perspective. Sean Payton, now the head coach of your Denver Broncos. Give me a number. You've uh, seen the schedule, the opponents mm-hmm. for next year. Wow. We're already doing this? Yep, we're already doing this. We haven't even gotten the free agency yet. The we draft. don't even know who the coaching staff is. Right. We don't even know if Mark's going to be the offensive line coach. We don't know if Vic Fangio's coming back. You're right. I need a number. I'll go nine and eight. Nine and eight? Yes. Nine and eight and like what? Like uh, go into the last week of the season. You don't control your playoff fate, but if you win and somebody else loses, you get in. That kind of thing. Sure. I, 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 no, but that sounds uh, that sounds about right. I, I think there will be definite improvements. Um, will they, are they going to run deep into the playoffs? No, I think they'll be kind of on the bubble as a playoff team. And if they were to get in, they would be more so knocking on the door than kicking it down in the playoffs. There's lots of holes for this. Uh, coaching staff and front office to fix. But, yes, they will be improved over what they were last year. They now, have course, to be, don't they? they I really... said the same I know. thing last year. Okay, this so time with assume, assume it. Assume it. And I'm, the only assumption I'm going to make is assuming good health. Because I'm not going to say assuming Sean Payton can get the... No, th- these are things that you're charged to do. This is right. why you're here. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is why you gave up what you gave up, what you're going to pay them, the power, all that stuff. So, I, yeah, assuming relatively good health... This is a team that better be either in the playoffs or on, on the cusp of the playoffs. Playoffs? If not, then what? Because you said Sean Payton is a long-term plan. You're going to fire him after one year, no, Mike? No, Mr. But, long-term? No, but that what? You, you, that's, that's where you're at a position oh, where you're starting to look at, okay, what is the core of our football team? Maybe we have to readdress the core of this football team. Maybe we do have to take that uh, bitter pill and just swallow it and say, "Okay, Russ, we're gonna. You're gone. This is your. This was your year, and we gave it a shot. It didn't work out. We're prepared to go into salary cap jail for a year or two. But these are the kind of decisions that we're gonna make if 
they are not on the cusp of making the playoffs. How about that? Yes, I think the Russell Wilson thing will be clear to all. Right. It's it's at the end of a player's career, you're not like on the fence. You know, the the, the Colts weren't on the fence about Matt Ryan. It was clear Matt Ryan was done, um, and I think we'll. We see a pretty clear sample size from Russell Wilson to recognize whether he's worth hitching your wagon to one more year or if he's done. Here's the here, here's one thing I'll say that I have not been able to say in the last six years. Whatever happens to the Broncos next year, I will not feel like coaching is the reason. Whoa. That went bad. Okay. I can say, right? Right? Don't you think they said that the in, fr- in Jacksonville when they hired Urban Meyer ah, on, on, on the local radio stations right? in Jacksonville? Right. First time hit, first time NFL head coach, national championship winning college I, I coach. I don't care. Bad. How'd that work? Terrible out? track record. There's a terrible track record over the last twenty plus years when it comes to college coaches going to the, the pros. Nope. All right. You, B- you, 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 Bill Parcells went to the Cowboys at the end of his career, thirty two and thirty two. Didn't win a division. Great coach. Lots of skins on the wall. Yep. Championship yep. skins on the wall. Yep. The guru of Sean Payton. Yep. Sean Payton is off the Bill Parcells tree. Yep. And even he couldn't get it going right in Dallas Two at the end. words, Jerry Jones. Well, we'll see if the Walton Pinnacle, yeah, who they're going to be as owners. And I'm not trying to poo-poo at all. I'm just saying, you know, let's just have some temperance to our excitement. That's all. Let's see it on the field. So for everybody that was uh, bitterly disappointed with the officiating over championship weekend, get ready because the... Super Bowl referee is going to be Carl Sheffers. Guess who, which crew led the league in total penalties called per game this season? No, God, please, no. Carl Sheffers. But to get the Super Bowl, that means he has to be the highest rated. Is it? Are you sure it's the highest? Can, can somebody show me the rankings? Is it the highest rated or is it simply, hey, you're part of the good old boy network and it's your turn? I don't think it's that. I do find it fascinating the the treatment of officials within the NFL. Of We dissect every single part of this game. We've managed to turn every part of it into an amazing television event. The officials, you get a chance to talk to one pool reporter after the game, and that, then after that, you're not supposed to talk about it anymore. You get fined if you talk about it anymore, if you're a player or a coach. we This treatment of the officials is fascinating, and I would love to see more transparency, to your point, because he gets this opportunity to be in the Super Bowl. It should be because he's the highest-rated official. Well, then how did he become the highest-rated official? Sheffers ranked first in total penalties called per game this season. First in penalties called last season. First in total yards and penalties given per game. Oh, boy. Second for pass interferences called this season. Great. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Another flag fest for the uh, Super Bowl. Just what we wanted. That is what is trending We've got uh, Joel Clack coming up at uh, 8.10. Be very curious to get his thoughts on Sean Payton as uh, Joel, for a brief time, was a professional quarterback for a summer with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton. So you talk about being able to uh, provide some behind-the-scenes analysis and observations of Sean Payton. Joel Clack will be able to do that in about 30 minutes. In the meantime, ton of reaction. This is like after a big game. Ton of reaction to the Peyton hiring, and it has been mixed. 
which surprises me. Let's uh, hear from some of you doubters next. Loosen up those joints and muscles. It's time for your 745 stretch. Here's Schlereth and Evans with the biggest story in Denver sports. Nothing bigger than Chad Brown of the uh, Players Club. Staying in for uh, Stink, who was uh, off today. Scheduled off day. Don't read anything into it. Scheduled off day. So uh, we'll welcome him back tomorrow. If he emotionally is over the announcement of uh, Tom Brady announcing his retirement. But uh, the reaction to uh, Russ, uh, to uh, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton now working together. Here's one. We will be keeping receipts on all the Russ hate and now Payton doubters. I can't wait until you are all telling us how much you supported the hire and how you knew he would fix Russ. Issuing threats on the text line, huh? I, I, <laughs> again, we'll see what's going to happen, man. We will we will see what's going to happen. Uh, I, I, on one hand, I love this this hypothetical game. I love the varying opinions, uh, the very diverse opinions on the text line. I'm seeing a one in sixteen. On the text line, once you ask me about uh, what the record's going to be next year, one in sixteen. So uh, the opinions vary quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's Derek Wolf. Russ is going to be the comeback player of the year. I see a guy who's on the decline last year. I have yet to see an older player who's been on the decline who finds a way to ramp it back up again. My experience tells me that's just simply not a high percentage thing. Can it happen? Yeah, I won't say it's impossible, but it's not a high percentage thing. So you're sure what you saw last year was somebody in decline, not somebody that was that it was a bad fit, a bad offense, some of it his fault, but that there was that that, that there's nothing physically wrong with him, but that it was just a, a bad offense, bad coaching, bad offensive line but not necessarily a player who is just in physical decline. Because the, the thing with Russ is that I get that decline comes, but this is somebody who just two years ago was throwing 40 touchdowns in this league. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who, in his last year before coming here, in 14 games threw 25 touchdowns to only six picks. And it's not like it's not like that that athleticism was so... Obvious in his last couple of years with Seattle because he was running far less in his last couple of years in Seattle. So it's not like, oh, here was a quarterback in Seattle and he was running all over the place and getting all these rushing yards and rushing TDs. And then he came here and boy, did he look slow and fat. He had already been tapering that off in Seattle anyway, but yet the production, the numbers and the wins were still there. So I just I, I don't look. He sucked last year. There, there's no sugar coating. Okay. okay, he sucked. But I just don't feel like we're looking at a guy who physically has fallen off the cliff. I don't say he's fallen off the cliff. He's on the decline, is what I said. He hasn't fallen off the cliff just yet. I had the Seattle-Arizona game, his last game, for the Seahawks. I had that radio broadcast. And the difference between that Russ and the Russ we got this year from a footwork Standpoint from an ability to escape the pocket and maybe not outrun edge rushers, but outmaneuver those guys. I didn't see that same guy I saw 
in Arizona in that last game. I didn't see that same level of athleticism this year. So I'm not saying he's going to be awful and he's terrible and there's no way to redeem him, but I saw a, a step back, a, a loss of a step at least, maybe a step and a half in some circumstances. And again, my experience tells me you don't rebound from that as an older player. You can adapt. You can find other ways to do things that may fit within your game, but you don't regain lost athleticism. It doesn't come back. I will I will concede this, and, and this is something I said. I wrote an article about this uh, a couple months ago. There, there's a lot on Russ's plate that he has to look in the mirror and take responsibility for. And it's one thing to come out and say, hey, it's my goal to be the next Drew Brees in the second half of my career. Okay, Go on and prove it. Drew Brees because was a maniacal offseason guy. Exactly. Being in shape guy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Maniacal. Great word to use. That's exactly how he approached it deep into his 30s, right up until, heck, I think it was even after he retired. There was video of him, like, pushing a sled all around the neighborhood or something like that. The guy, great word, was a, was a maniac about it. I need to see Russ back up his talk with actions and actually make that kind of commitment. That, to me... Russ is at a stage right now where he he needs to come back to mini camps and training camp, and we all have to be like that year that Nikola Jokic came back and it was clear that he had dropped some weight and put on some muscle, and we were all like, whoa, mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. at him. Look at the transformation. Right. We need to have that kind of reaction the next time we see Russ get ready to go on a football field. And that's on Russ. Do you think that's going to happen? Hey, man, you say that... Winning, being a great winning quarterback, maybe the winningest quarterback of all time, is your goal. People say all kind of stuff, though, Mike. Fine, and you're right. He has said all of it. Now, let's talk more action. Mm-hmm. And that's on Russ. It is. It is. And, and you could be the biggest Russ fan out there, and you could be the biggest believer that Russ can bounce back, but there's a lot of that, that that's on Russ. That, okay, man, I think. how I much do you want it? How much does it really mean to you? I think as an older player, you need to find ways to be typically a little bit lighter each year. Just because you just don't have the, the, the explosiveness to move all that weight around. So you need to come back a little slimmer. Look at uh, Michael Strahan uh, in year five versus in year 12. Uh, lighter, thinner. Playing the game more with your mind because you recognize I can't haul around and play this power game. I've got to be a little bit more lighter and athletic and flexible. Russ needs to make a body transformation that same kind of way. Here's another text. Can't believe the Broncos gave up this much for a guy who's only got one Super Bowl. So this is where we're at now. This this is. Yes. That is a legitimate fan concern. So you're telling me after what we've gone through the last seven years, six in particular, our biggest complaint is this guy only has won one Super Bowl. In 15 years of being the head coach, one Super Bowl, that's not enough. That's how high the standards and the expectations are here. So it's almost impossible to make a hire that's going to win everybody over. I recognize that. So it's better to hire somebody who's never coached before in the NFL because... At least there's an unknown, and that guy can win multiple Super Bowls versus this guy who's only won one. Unknown. The unknown. People are drawn. That's that's one thing that you, you... you get reminded of, don't you, when you go through a coaching search, how much people are drawn to the idea of potential and a blank canvas. 
People love it. People are humans are fascinating creatures, and we want. If there is a pattern to be seen, we'll see the pattern. But if there is no pattern, then we apply optimism to that space and that void. For Sean Payton, fifteen years, only one Super Bowl. That's not enough of a winning track record for me. But this other guy over here, who's never been a head coach, maybe he's a guy who can win three in a row. But but doesn't that I hate to go all existential on you? But doesn't that fly directly in the face of how we live our lives. Think about the the countless number of decisions we make. How many of them are based on the idea of a track record? Tons. A resume. Right. Prior information. How many important decisions do we make in life that are based on the idea of, I got nothing to go on here, but I'm just going to, you know, take a flyer. Very few times do we do that. So why is it such an appeal when it comes, is it because of just the nature of sports? It's escapism and we just get, for a moment, we get to step outside of our uh, regular lives and just dream about the potential of what could be? We're all optimistic when there's an unknown. Uh, I've said this before to you on this show. Every year during training camp, all 32 teams break down some early training camp huddle and go, one, two, three, Super Bowl! All those teams. Because optimism is is up there because the, the season is an unknown. We can be optimistic about that. But once you start applying a track record to it, then that starts limiting our levels of optimism about things. So we want to be optimistic. And the more an unknown is out there, the more our optimism is, is favored upon. You play in this league for a long time. Yes. Winning Super Bowls is hard, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I don't have a Super Bowl win. I coached a Pop Warner Super Bowl win here in Colorado. I'm very proud of that moment. Right. But that's as close as I got to uh, being a Super Bowl winner. They're hard. Yes. A lot goes into winning a Super Bowl, doesn't it? A lot of luck, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication. Some of that work may have occurred, started years ago to get to that very moment. Yes. And and really, the, the only thing you can, can truly do is, is put yourself into a position to have a chance, right? Yes, to have a chance. Got to have a chance. That's, that's, I know it's a weird sentence, but yes, to your point. So this is a guy who nine times out of 15 years won 10 or more games in the NFL when it was a 16-game season and put his team in a position to have a chance. Nine and times. one time won it all. So after what we've gone through the last six years around here, I am very, 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 very happy to have a guy who has a track record of putting his teams into a position to have a shot. But a guy who put his teams in a position to have a shot and didn't win it all got fired here. John Fox. Mm-hmm. There was a feeling that he was not going to be the guy to take him to the next level. So uh, for, the, for the fans who are saying, you know, only one Super Bowl and you got a lucky onside kick to pull all that off, uh, I, I think they're looking at the John Fox kind of scenario of – this, this ain't the guy to take us all the way up there. He can get us close, mm-hmm. but he can't take us all the way to the top. So I'll tell you what. After what we've gone through the last six years. I'll tell you what. Here, here's a deal I'll, I'll gladly make with Broncos country. Uh, after what we've witnessed the last six years around here, if this is a guy who can repeatedly get us to the threshold but can't get us over the hump, I am I am I can't wait to cross that bridge. When it comes to us, I can't wait to get to the point where we are in a position where we're winning 11, 12, 13 games in a year and are coming up short in the AFC championship game. Boy, that that is a problem you love to have. I would love to have.
Yes! And I eagerly, eagerly look forward to uh, arriving at, at perhaps that, you know, that, that, that crucial point. Is Sean Payton, he can get us there. He can get us to the AFC Championship game. He can get us to the Super Bowl. But we just don't know if he can win it all. Boy, that is a... That is a debate I would love to be able to have someday. We'll fix and find out. Again, I'm pretty confident. I said this earlier in the show. I think if Sean Payton is only here for three or four years, this program will be in a better place than it was when he walked in the door and will be closer to a repeated, sustained level of success than it has been in the last six or seven years. So the Super Bowl is not always going to be the be-all to end-all for me. Is the arrow continue to be pointed in the right direction, which gives you the shot to win the Super Bowl? You you feel calm. You know what it's like, and and you have unique perspective because you played for guys like Bill Cower. You played for Bill Parcells. I mean, Bill Belichick. You know what it's like to have a coach walk in, address the team, and know, okay, this guy's in charge. You know what it feels like, right? Okay, I I don't want to. I had I had Dennis Erickson, and then I had Mike Holmgren. Back-to-back years. Dennis mm-hmm. Erickson, my first two years in Seattle. Mike Holmgren, my last six years. Dennis Erickson, uh, I think, is a very bright, offensive-minded coach. But as a leader of men, there was some structural issues that were lacking there. Dennis is not the biggest man at all. He's maybe 5'9". So he's not imposing. And he had this habit of sitting in the front row of the meeting room and kind of quietly drinking his coffee about 10 minutes before the meeting would start. So he would stand up. And no one would pay attention that he stood up to start the meeting. And he'd have to clear his throat. And the room would kind of softly quiet down. But there'd still be a few guys engaged in conversation. And he'd have to clear his throat again. And so like the third time he cleared his throat, that's when the meeting would start. Now I'm leaving Pittsburgh and Bill Cower. Bill Cower walked in, walked up to the podium, opened up his notebook. And the meeting started. I go through two years of Dennis Erickson clearing his throat asking for the guy's attention. And then the very first meeting for Mike Holmgren, Mike's all about the show. So his nickname, our nickname for Mike was The Big Show. But even in your leadership things, there has to be a bit of a show there. Mike's assistant would stand at the door of the meeting room. Mike would walk in exactly at 7.45. Door would open. He walks up to the front and the meeting started. There's something to be said for somebody who can command attention in that way and demands your attention that way. Didn't make doesn't mean that Dennis Erickson sucked as an offensive mind, but as a leader of men, you need somebody who demands that attention, and Sean Payton will bring that on day one. 